fine. Alrighty. Good morning. Kia ora. It's great to see you, Summit Church, here at Botany. And a big hi uh, to Summit Church in Hastings watching this uh, online or, uh, or indeed anyone who's watching or listening to this online as well. It's, it's cool to be together. And as Mel just said, we are, we're doing something a little different today. So you guys are all in these little groups, little communities and teams. And we've just done the spaghetti and marshmallow challenge, which I thought actually ours was looking fantastic until gravity kind of took hold. But anyway, it's part of the fun. Hey, we're on a, um, a journey together. That's something we're calling Summit Journey, which is a new discipleship strategy that we're launching this year for our church, along with the name change. We're, we're changing or tweaking a little bit about how we think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how we grow in our walk with him. So we're talking about this discipleship adventure, and we introduced it two weeks ago uh, with this key question. How am I planning to intentionally become more like Jesus this year? And that's the challenge, that's the key question we want to think about um, this year, but actually each year moving forward. We, we would love to start the beginning of each um, year as a church family with every one of us as followers of Jesus thinking, how am I going to intentionally grow this year? How am I going to become more like Jesus this year and seek to plan to intentionally uh, grow this way? And, um, and so there's four key questions which we introduced last week. By the way, we had um, new journals last week as well, and I don't know if people missed out on those in this service. I think it might have been second service, but if you would like a journal and you don't have one, just slip your hand up and Harrison can bring some around. You can grab these from the um, info table as well if you want to. They're just blank, and so you can just fill them in, draw pictures, do whatever you'd like to do. There's a few up here too. Thanks, Az. So in Summit Journey, and this question of how, am I, how do I plan to intentionally become more like Jesus this year, there's four key questions that we want to kind of build a plan around, and each of us can design our own plan. So the first question is why. Why do I want to become more like Jesus? And that's the question we considered in depth last week. And so what we argued for last week was that actually the, our motivation for wanting to grow in our Christian life should be because of the gospel, the good news of what uh, God has done for us in and through Jesus. It's one more over here. And so we're arguing for what we're calling gospel-driven growth. And that was really what last week was all about, making sure that our heart's in the right place and we're growing for the right reasons rather than for some wrong reasons that are going to take us down the wrong track. The next question is the where, which is where am I going to grow in my life? As I look at my life, which area do I really want to concentrate on? Because often we can just go, I want to be more like Jesus without really an intentional idea or plan around that. And that's so, so big. Um, whereas I think the idea is to, to really go after one key area of life. And so we're going to be talking in this series about seven key traits of a follower or disciple of Jesus, which is really seven different areas in our life that we could be looking to grow in. And the invitation is going to be to pick one area of our lives that we would like to become more like Jesus. And so starting next week, we're going to take seven weeks to walk through each of these areas and really explore in depth what would it look like if I became more like Jesus in each of these specific areas. So we're going to start next week by looking at Christ-like character and we're just going to walk through each one one by one over seven weeks. It's really a chance to step back and get a very thorough understanding of what these are. And then we're going to invite you, as part of your discipleship adventure, to go, okay, this is the area. This is the area out of these seven that I would really like to grow in this year. So we're going to start that next week. 
So what we're doing today is we're jumping the weir. So we did why last week. We're going to start the weir next week for seven weeks. Today I'm jumping down to the question of who. Who am I going to grow with? Because I think that's a key part of a plan to intentionally become more like Jesus. And so the who is what I want to describe as intentional community. And so whatever your plan will look like in your discipleship adventure this year with God, the invitation is to consider who am I going to grow with this year? Who am I going to build a community with and grow with and become more like Jesus? And I want to kind of hit four key things uh, this morning. The necessity of community, so why this is really important. Um, The definition of community, I want to just define that for us so we're clear on what we're talking about and talk quickly about the challenge of community. We're going to run through those three quite quickly. And then I want to spend the most time on this last one, the types of community, because the way we've talked about community in the past in our church, it's been totally focused around small groups. And groups are going to stay important to us, but we're going to widen this out a little bit more. And so that's what I want to share with you in kind of the second half of the message today. So let's start, though, with the necessity of community. Let's talk about why this is so important. Uh, Dave just read for us um, one key passage from, from the New Testament in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 10. And if you want to just have a quick look at that in your Bible or on your phone, you can do. But I want to throw up here on the screen just some of the key lines that I want to highlight. When you read this particular paragraph that Dave has just read for us, there's a few things you immediately notice. First of all, the word since, which I haven't put on the screen. But twice in the opening verses, beginning from verse 19, the little word since comes in. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place or enter the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. And then down in the next verse, since we have a great high priest over the house of God. In other words, what the the writer of this letter is doing is he's about to encourage us or exhort us to do something, but he bases that since we have Jesus as our high priest and since Jesus lets us come into the presence of God. In other words, he's going back to the why. He's going back to the gospel, the good news. So that's the since. And then he does three let us phrases. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we have. Let us spur one another on. And that's really the crux of this passage He is encouraging his readers and encouraging those of us who would come later down the track of time as we read this passage to, hey, let's really work. Since God, uh, the way to God has been opened up by Jesus and since Jesus represents us before his Father, because we've got this amazing relationship by grace with Almighty God, let's draw near to God and let's hold on to this faith we have, and let's encourage each other to do this. That's really the heart of that. But the third key observation I want to make, and this is so key for what we're talking about today in intentional community, is it's not let you, or it's not let me, it's let us. And we have such an individualistic mindset, many of us, especially if we've been raised in Western cultures, We've been raised with this individualistic mindset and we think about my walk with God. The writer to the Hebrews says, let us. 
Because in the Bible, there's much more a sense that we are a family. We are a community of people journeying together towards Jesus. And so the encouragement is, let us draw near. Together, let's draw near to God. And let us, together, hold on to the hope we have. And let us, together, spur each other and encourage each other on as we journey towards him. And so often we miss that. So often we will read a passage like this and see the us and recognize that, but then when we think about applying it, we personalize it and we individualize it. What does that mean for me? And that's fair enough, because at the end of the day, you know, you can't control how someone around the circle with you is going to live the, the Christian life. You can only control your life. So we have to apply it personally. But we often strip it of this corporate sense, this community idea. And yet that is so incredibly key through the Bible. And I've just picked one passage out of the New Testament to illustrate this. But the fact is I could pick dozens upon dozens of, of passages from the Bible that emphasize this idea that we actually need each other to draw near to God. And we need each other if we're going to hold on to this hope. And we need each other to, to, to be spurring on and encouraging each other in this journey towards becoming more and more like Jesus. read a fantastic uh, book uh, over summer. I've been reading a few different books on this whole issue by someone named Mindy, and I can't pronounce her last name, so I'm not going to try. But I love what she wrote about this. She says, many people today are on a solo journey with God, even though they attend a church. Rarely do people in churches see intentional relationships as a vital component of their spiritual growth. And she's absolutely right. So we come to a passage like Hebrews 10, and we read, let us, commands, and we think about how we should do that personally in our own walk with God. And again, there's nothing wrong with thinking about how we will do that. In fact, we're framing the main discipleship question, how will I plan to intentionally become more like Jesus this year? But the key here is to understand that if we are going to grow in our Christian lives, if we are going to become more and more like Jesus, we could potentially do that on our own. But the way God has created us and made us, it's to actually grow together. Sorry, not. Oh my goodness, we've just ended up in the songs. <laughs> I think the button just got stuck. If we can just go back. That was awesome. I could lead you in a song, but... <laughs> Did I hear a groan? Then I just... Oh, no. This is the key idea I want us to really get today. Transformational growth needs transformational relationships. If we really want to become more like Jesus in, in some really tangible ways that we can see in our lives over the course of this year... We actually need to do that in relationship. I can grow by myself. I could sit down and be a hermit and find a batch somewhere on the west coast of the South Island where there's not too many people and sit down with my Bible and, and, and Spotify and, and sing and pray and read and grow with God. You can. But actually, it's in the context of relationships that we grow the most. And we will grow much more significantly and I think much more um, 
long-term change ability, just a new phrase I coined, if we grow it together with one another. Came across a beautiful African proverb a number of years ago. If you want to grow quickly, go alone. Sorry, but if you want to go far, go together. And I think non-Western cultures understand the importance of community much more than Western cultures do. So for those of you who have been raised in the non-Western world, I think you automatically grasp this better than some of us do. That we need each other to really, really grow. And actually, when you start to read the New Testament this way, when you start to read the New Testament with an us mentality, not a me mentality, what you suddenly begin to see is that this is on every page of the Bible. That it's about how we grow together and how we interchange and how we encourage each other and challenge each other and and move each other forward. And often it's in the context of relationships where we rub each other up the wrong way sometimes and we get it wrong sometimes and we have to uh, be confronted with our own weaknesses and have to apologize and say sorry and move forward and restore and reconcile. All of that is part of our growth and maturing as well. And so today I want to argue for the necessity of community because I think that is what the Bible and especially the New Testament holds up for us. That if we are going to become more like Jesus, intentionally grow this year, we need to make sure we're doing it in community. So before we go on, maybe we should define community. What am I meaning when I use that that C word? Because it gets bandied around a lot in our society now. What am I talking about when I say community? I actually want to use my father-in-law's definition. Roland, who's part of our church, one of our small group leaders, um, he's written a couple of books on mentoring. And in one of them, The Lost Art of Lingering, he defines mentoring this way, and I'm widening it to, to talk about community. He talks about it as a mutual, transformational, spiritual relationship. So there's a few, I like the simplicity of it, but I like there's a few key components here. So it's a mutual relationship, the idea that, that, that both parties or all parties are, are receiving benefit from this. There's life flowing back and forwards So everyone is giving and everyone is receiving in a really mutual kind of way. It's transformational in the sense that life change, substantial life change, is happening within that relationship. And that normally takes some intentionality within that relationship. And it's a spiritual relationship. There's a sense in which you're growing together with Jesus. And and there's a sense in which you're talking about your journey with God and, and, and praying for each other, or at least asking how you can pray for each other. And that's important, I think, to have that, this kind of definition in mind because I could be talking about having intentional community in your life and you might think about um, the person that you meet for coffee once a week and sit down and catch up over coffee and enjoy a really great relationship. That might be community for you. Well, you may think about the person, you know, some of you enjoy running for some reason, I don't understand, but you may think about the person you go running with and think about what a great sense of community you have. Or you may meet up with, with, with a mate and, and tinker over an, an engine of a car, and, you know, and that's community. And that might be community. But the, the question is, does it fit this criteria? Because you can go running with someone or tinker on an engine or meet up for coffee and catch up and talk about life. But it's actually not particularly transformational or spiritual because you're just talking about life. But equally, you could go running with someone 
Or you could tinker on a car engine. Or you could meet for coffee. And it could be exactly this. Mutual and transformation and spiritual. Not that you can't talk about anything else in your lives and you can't discuss what's wrong with the car engine or whatever, or how many NKs you're doing per hour or whatever it is. But as part of that relationship, there's an aspect in which you're talking intentionally about your walk and where you're growing and asking how you can pray for each other. And I think that's helpful to just go, when we're talking about uh, this intentional community and helping us become more like Jesus and grow in our lives. It's not just any kinds of relationships, but it's relationships that are mutual and transformational and spiritual. It's the kind of relationships Jesus had all the time. It hit me a few years ago as I was reading through Mark's Gospel, and I read the story about when he called out of all of his disciples who followed him, all these men and women who were now following him as their, he was their rabbi and their Lord, and he chose 12 of them to be what he called his apostles. And in this particular way, the way Mark describes the call of the 12, says Jesus goes up onto the mountainside and he calls those he wanted, and he appointed 12, and then I love this next phrase, that they might be with him. What Jesus was embarking on with those 12 was what we would call a leadership development program. He was training them up because they were going to become the apostles that were the leaders of the early church. But actually, the, the, the training that he was giving them comes second. The, the, the practical stuff that they would be doing comes second. What comes first in Mark's description? It's this idea of relationships, of community. Jesus was committed to a mutual, transformational, spiritual relationship with those 12 men. And he called them and chose them and appointed them so that they might be with him in relationship. That's what we're talking about. And so the question is, as you design your discipleship adventure, as you come up with your plan this year over the coming weeks of, of how you're going to intentionally uh, grow to become more like Jesus. Part of the, the, one of the questions to ask is, who am I going to grow with? Who is going to be that intentional community that I am intentionally walking with in a mutual, transformational, and spiritual relationship? And I'm going to talk about the, the, the ways we can do that uh, in, our, in our church. But before I do that, I just want to acknowledge that there's some real challenges to this. Because the reality is we, at times, struggle to really connect with people in genuine community the way I think the Bible is describing. And I sat down this week and start, just started brainstorming some challenges that I think we face towards community. One of them I've already mentioned, the, the culture challenge, that for many of us who've been raised in Western uh, society... We have a very individualistic approach to life. And we don't think naturally community. If you didn't grow up in a Western society, you probably think much more corporately about family, whānau, uh, iwi, um, your village. That, 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 that sense is much more in a, uh, prevalent in a non-Western world. But if you got raised in the West with a Western mindset, it's very individualistic. It's all about me and sometimes the immediate family we're in. But we think this way rather than corporately. And that feeds into the second challenge we face, which is the consumer challenge. 
where we so easily focus on ourselves and our needs. And the question we often will ask, you hear a challenge about being in community intentionally much more. And the very first question we often ask now because we're consumers is, what will I get out of it? We run a a cost-benefit analysis in our minds without even realizing it. Do I want to put time and effort into intentional community? What will I get out of that? Is it going to be worth my time to do that? So rather than hearing a challenge to intentional community and our first thought being, gee, if that's what the Bible calls me to, that's what I need to do, often our first thought is, yeah, what am I going to get out of that? And, and the whole consumer mindset is huge. Another one I thought of as I was just thinking through this through this week is what I'm calling the pain challenge. And I don't, I don't want to minimize that because there may be a, a number of people in this room listening to me or, or watching this online later on. And you've been in relationships, whether that's a friendship with someone, whether that's a small group kind of thing in church at some point in the past, you've connected with, with people and it's gone bad. And you actually may be carrying deep hurts. And I, I want to acknowledge that because those kinds of wounds that we carry in our heart often become a barrier to wanting to re-engage in community. And, and I want to just name that and say that's real. And it is. If we've been hurt in the past, we've opened up and, and been a little bit vulnerable with our struggles or where we're going and then and then that vulnerability has been used against us or that group that we kind of dared to open up to really doesn't reciprocate that or, or in fact says some things that hurt us. It happens too often, doesn't it? But the danger is if that has happened to you somewhere in your journey, that those wounds may have become so calloused on your heart that you go, never again. I'm not, never, I'm not doing that again. But actually we, we miss then the benefits of, of real community and what true community can actually bring us. Another challenge, of course, is what I've called the priority challenge. And that's simply the busyness and the pace of life that we face. And I think often this, this could actually be the biggest one of all. Where quite honestly, you know that you maybe should be engaged in some sense of community intentionally with others in your life. But the more you think about it, the more weary you just feel because it already feels like life is too full and the calendar is already choking. And then, of course, there's the drift challenge. I I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that the reason we need to, I think, be a little bit more intentional about our growth and becoming more like Jesus if we're his followers, his disciples, is because we drift so quickly and so easily. We're just happy to just drift along and let the current take us rather than really planning and being intentional with our lives. And I think that's part of it. Sometimes we don't want to engage in a close spiritual friendship with someone or into some kind of small group or whatever community might look like, because then we might actually be a little bit accountable to someone and we might have someone asking us about that non-Christian friend we asked for prayer for last time. and, And actually then that accountability makes us a bit nervous. And so we actually would rather not be in anything because well, then we can just drift a little bit easier. So I just want to pause just for a minute and and, and ask you, if you struggle with the idea 
of being intentionally in community with someone else or with a few others. Why is that? And maybe it's time for you to just acknowledge that barrier and name it for what it is. And maybe make the decision this morning that it's time to move past it. That it's not actually good enough anymore to simply say to yourself, you don't have time, or you got too deeply hurt, or I don't think I'll get enough out of it for me. Maybe it's time to overcome the barrier and jump in. So how do we do that? How do we find transformational relationships in our lives that will really help us towards transformational growth? I want to introduce today something a little bit new for us at Summit Church, what we're calling four types of community. Um, I read this statement in this book by Mindy, whatever her last name is. Um, At one point she wrote this, life change happens in relationship, but it doesn't always happen in small groups. Now for most church pastors, that, that causes a gulp. Because the vast majority of churches today, including ours, have been built around the small group model. And we've put all of our eggs in the basket with the label small groups. And we've said, man, if, you, you, if you're going to grow, you need to be in a small group. You need to connect into a small group. You need to lead one or be in one or, or be in two or three if you're really spiritual. And if you're not in a small group, we're going to slightly put a guilt trip on you. Because you should be really in a small group. And this statement kind of caused an echo for me. Um, We're part of a network of churches called Living Stones, about 20 or 25 churches, and once a year the senior pastors gather for a couple of days. I'm going to do that in a couple of weeks. The very first gathering of of the senior pastors, we were having a discussion. We were talking about a number of topics about leading churches, and one of the topics we wanted to talk about was small groups and how do you do groups in your church and what have you learned and how do you help people find them and find new leaders and all this kind of stuff. And in the middle of the discussion, a really good friend of mine, Jonathan Dove, who's now the pastor at Greenland Christian Centre, Jonathan said, you know what? I'm actually nervous about this whole discussion about small groups. And I haven't voiced this to anyone yet, before. But I'm wondering if we've made an idol out of small groups. And he said, the Bible calls us to intentional community. The Bible doesn't necessarily tell us to be in a small group. And we all stoned him after that. No, we didn't. (laughs) But it made us all go, ooh, that's interesting. And he said, I think we've confused function and form. A function is something that the Bible calls the church to do. In this case, intentional community. I think I can make a biblical case that Christians should be in some form of community together of a mutual, transformational, spiritual relationship. But he said, I can't make a case that that means you should be or must be in a small group. Because a small group is a form. It's one way of doing intentional community. And that sat in my brain for the last two or three years and percolated. And then I read this book. And I read this statement from Mindy. And I started talking to our pastoral team and our elders. 
and said, maybe we need to widen how we can do community. Because maybe small groups don't work for everyone. Maybe small groups don't work for every season of life. It doesn't mean we ditch small groups, but maybe we recognise small groups as one really good form of doing community, but maybe there's some others. And so we want to change our philosophy a little bit. And so we want to say, we want to encourage every person in our church to have intentional community in our lives. And we want to suggest there's a few different ways that you could do that. And so we're now going to start talking about four types of community. The first one is groups. And so we want to remain committed to community groups. Um, I think it's about 60% of the adults at Summit Church are involved in a community group already. And so I think that's fantastic. Uh, I'm part of a community group. I've been part of a, a men's community group in our church that meets fortnightly. I've been part of that group for, for years now. Uh, I don't lead it. I'm just one of the guys in there. And I, I really value the relationships with I, that I have with those men. And the beauty of community groups is that they, they go long term. Many of our groups have been going for a number of years and you build longevity together in relationship. And so we, we want to continue to uphold and promote and, and offer community groups as one key way of doing community. But we gathered all of our community group leaders last Sunday afternoon, and what an amazing group of men and women. We have tremendous small groups and leaders in our church. And so if you're not currently engaged in intentional community in, in your life right now, one way to do that is to join one of our community groups. We have about 12 available. And if you'd be interested in that, underneath your table is a few brochures that we've now recalled community. And in the second half of that booklet is a list of all of the groups that we offer in our church. And if you're not in a group and you feel like a small group is what you'd like to engage in, feel free to grab one of those booklets and have a look at the groups and at the back of, the, uh, of that booklet is Robin's uh, contact. He's our worship and groups pastor. He's in charge of this whole area. And you can email him or call him or text him, and he would love to talk to you about groups. But we want to widen this. And so we now also want to start talking about peers. Because for some people, Either the season of life you're in, or the personality you've got, or the wounds perhaps you carry, you don't want to sit in a circle of people that you don't really know too much. But the idea of sitting one-on-one -on -one with someone, in a mentoring type of relationship, that could be a lot more attractive. And so we want to start talking about maybe a way to do intentional community, instead of a group, is an appear. And if that suits you more, if that excites you more, we want to fan that and say, go for it. There's a few different ways to look at this. The traditional way of understanding mentoring is an older person with a younger person. Where, where if, if you're, you, know, you go looking for someone, generally there's not too many people who are more mature who say, oh, I'm really mature, would you like some to benefit from my wisdom? Uh, normally it's some, the younger person going, there's, I see something in you you're further along the journey than me, and I'd like to, to learn from you. Increasingly, though, and Roland has actually been at the forefront of this, people are starting to talk now in the Christian world about mutual mentoring, which is peer-to-peer. -peer. So Jonathan Dove, who's the pastor at Green Lane, he's a good friend of mine, he and I are mutual mentors. 
We meet together once a month for lunch. We talk about what's happening in our churches and in our lives with our kids and our marriages, and we mutually encourage each other. We're not, I'm slightly older than him, but it's not like one of us is the guru and the other's sitting at their feet. We're in a mutual mentoring relationship, mentoring relationship of peers. Something else we're starting to throw out here and making available is something called marriage mentoring. And so this is now couple with couple, if, if that's another aspect that you'd like to think about. But what we would like to do is encourage peers to happen in our church. And this can either be in addition to a group, if you're part of a group, but you'd like the idea of this as well, that's cool. But if you're not in a group and a group feels scary, but you'd love to meet over coffee and have a mutual, transformational, spiritual relationship with someone, we suggest for a year and then review it, then can we encourage you to go for that? If you'd like an older to younger one, or you'd like a peer one, or if you're married and you'd love to walk with perhaps a couple that's been married for a bit longer over the course of a year, then all of those are open to you. By the way, if someone does want to have a chat to you and say, hey, I see something in your life, could we, could we be a peer? Would you be keen? I'd encourage you to go for it. I love this quote, uh, Edward Welch. Uh, if you feel quite weak and ordinary about being in a mentoring relationship with someone, if you feel like a mess, but you have the spirit, then you have the right credentials. You're one of the ordinary people God uses to help others. Don't, don't belittle what you could actually bring to the life of someone else. Now, we're not organizing this. We are not saying you have to come through us and we'll pair you. No. If there's someone in our church that you look at and go, gee, I'd love to walk this year with them, then go have a chat. Set it up. Don't tell us. We don't even need to know. Just do it. If there's someone you're already running with or having coffee with regularly and you'd simply like to make that more intentional and more spiritual, go for it. And don't worry about telling us. Just do it. We don't need to know. We don't need to control it. Go for it. Just do it. If you'd like marriage mentoring, then you probably need to come and talk to us so we can make that happen and set that up because that's a, a proper course now that's being run through family life. If you would like to be in a pair and you don't know who to connect with, we're happy to help. And so as this uh, booklet says, just email Robin and say, hey, I'd love to be in a mentoring pair and tell them what you'd like, and we'll do our best to match you. But don't feel like you've got to wait for us or get our permission if you'd like to be in a peer. Because I think a peer is a fantastic way of doing intentional community. The third thing, then, groups, peers, we also want to start talking classes. So classes are different to these other two in that they're really intentional and really short. So what we would like to start offering more often is something real short-term that's a burst to help you really grow in a particular area of your walk with God. And so over the coming years, we just want to roll out different types of classes. It might be a one-off seminar just for one evening or half a day. It might be a short course that maybe lasts three weeks or five weeks or something like that. It may be we're toying with an idea that I'm calling right now book clubs, where we say, hey, there's this really good book would half a dozen or a dozen people like to buy that book 
and read it kind of in, in, in community in a sense that you read, you all read the same chapter every week for however many weeks, and then at the end of it you sit down for an evening and have a discussion about it. We're going to maybe toy with some of those kinds of things, but the idea of a class is that it's just a short-term growth opportunity to complement the other intentional uh, community relationships you're in. I just want to advertise the first one, though. Um, we've got a really cool honour of hosting a guy called Doug Pollock um, early April. Doug Pollock has written what I think is some of the best training material today on sharing your faith. Um, he's written a book and a course called God Space, and we are privileged to be able to host Doug on Tuesday night, the 9th of April. And so we're, we're promoting that, starting to promote that now. We're going to start selling tickets. It's going to be $20 to come along. He's from the States, but his God Space material is awesome. I think Mark's most of the way through this book at the moment and said it's absolutely fabulous. And so if, um, if natural evangelism is the trait that you really want to work on this year, or you're working on something else, but you recognize that, gee, my evangelistic temperature is quite low, this is a fantastic um, intentional community moment. A class that lasts two hours, it's a burst to really help you grow in that area. And so this is the first of what we hope will be a number of classes through the year. And then finally, the final intentional community type that we want to start promoting is teams. Now we've had teams for a long time, ever since we started. We've had teams of people serving all over the place. But we want to become more intentional with our teams. So if you're currently serving anywhere in our church, we're going to try and pull our teams together more often for encouragement, for appreciation, um, for, for some training, for prayer, and just really use teams because we grow so much when we serve together. So we want to, as a leadership, really start folk pulling this a lot more together and, and giving a real sense of team. So if you're currently serving somewhere, um, this is going to happen more and more. We do this well in some areas of ministry. Our kids' ministry has been really good at this. I feel like our mainly music team has got a really cool sense of team. But other areas in our church, we don't do this as well. And so we want to try and do this much more. Um, by the way, if you're not currently serving, um, this is a brilliant way to, to really grow in community. Because A, it, it battles this consumer mindset and mentality that we often have. But also you rub shoulders with people, whether that's serving in kids' ministry or being on a set-up and pat-down team early morning or helping mainly music or leading a small group and be part of a, that community group team, whatever it is. There's something neat about serving. And the truth of the matter is, uh, every team in our church right now has some quite significant gaps, some more than others. Um, but we're actually, we've got some pretty substantial gaps in our youth ministry, leadership teams, and some gaps in our kids' ministry. We have some gaps, actually, up here among our worship team. We have some gaps in greeting and ushering. In fact, pretty much across the board, there's some, there's some holes. And you may not notice that as you rock along on a Sunday, um, but that's because really good people are covering more than maybe they should. And so if you're not in a team and you feel like, you know what, that's something I could jump in, then we would love you to do that. So we've set something up on our church app. By the way, it's still a Botany Life app because the new Summit Church app is still being constructed. But if you want to serve, then what we'd ask you to do is jump on the old Botany Life app on your phone and go to the menu button, and there is a new little tab in there called Summit Volunteers. And all you do is you go in there, you put your name and email and phone number, 
And there's, I think, seven or eight different teams. You can just tick whatever boxes, teams you'd be interested in, maybe finding out a little bit more about, and just submit it. It's that simple. It takes about a minute to do. So if you're interested, if you're not currently serving, and you would love to get involved in any team across the board, just jump into Summit Volunteers, and we'd love to have you. All right. So that's intentional community. That's the who part of this plan to intentionally become more like Jesus this year. And what I think we, I really want us to grasp is this idea, transformational growth. If we're really going to become more like Jesus this year, it's going to take transformational relationships. It's going to take going shoulder to shoulder, arm to arm, linking up with brothers and sisters in the same family and moving together. And so I want to encourage you to, to take stock of where you are at the moment in terms of re intentional relationships in life. And go, okay, what's going to be my plan? Who am I going to journey with this year on my discipleship adventure? Is it going to be a group that I really commit to or maybe join if I haven't been part of that? Do I want to get involved in an intentional peer, a mentoring relationship of some kind, whether that's marriage to marriage and with couples, whether that's a peer to peer, whether that's older to younger? Are there some classes like the Doug Pollock God Space one that I want to engage in this year? Do I need to sign up to serve and be part of a team and really grow in relationship? I simply want to invite you to make this part of your plan for how you're going to grow this year. And then over these next seven weeks as we explore these seven areas of Christ-like character and biblical mindset in these other areas, we're going to invite you to add in this, this who mix as you pull your plan together. So I want to leave that on the screen for a minute. I want to give you 10 seconds to just open-handedly ask God to help you figure out how you're going to do intentional community, and then I want to pray for us. Father, I want to say thank you that you have made us for relationships. You created us in your image, and part of that image bearing is that we're relational beings. You've made us to love each other and to encourage each other and to know each other, and you've created us to be loved and be encouraged and be known. And God, sometimes we feel too busy or we feel too hurt, or we're too self-centered, or we're just happy drifting along, and we haven't engaged in intentional community the way that the Bible does call us to do. And so God, as we think today as part of this series summit journey, as we think about our discipleship adventure and how we're going to intentionally become more like Jesus, would you help us to really grasp the importance of the who? of who it is <clears throat> that we are journeying with <clears throat> this year. Would you help us to engage, whether that's in a group, <clears throat> excuse me, or a team, or in a peer, or maybe through a class? Would you help us to just be more intention about, intentional about walking with others on this journey of becoming more and more like you? Thank you that you've made us for community. Thank you that you yourself are a community, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray that we would replicate you more and more.
and our relationships, we pray. In your name, amen.